Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here we go on Monday, February the 11th in the year of our Lord 2019. It's Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And you may have recognized what I just read as a beatitude. It is a blessing that is found in Matthew chapter 5. However, that's not the only place that Jesus speaks of beatitudes. Also in Luke chapter 6, verse 20 and following, he says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't say the same thing as Matthew. So a lot of people will say, some scholars, see, there's a contradiction in the Bible. It has two different versions of the same thing. So this shows that the Bible cannot be inerrant. Well, I I don't know where they're thinking. I have been doing sermons for decades. And I've also done adult instruction. If you're going to tell me that my first adult instruction that I ever delivered is the same as the last adult instruction I delivered for confirmation, no. In fact, there's differences between the ages. If I'm doing, dealing with young people, I'll say some things in contrast to older people. Or a lot of times I've just had an adult instruction with an individual who may come from a Roman Catholic, a Baptist, a Presbyterian background, or even a Jehovah Witness, a Christian Science, or he even may be an atheist. Well, I'm not going to be saying the same things in each one. Jesus was a preacher. I cannot imagine that in his sermons he did not deliver similar messages using different words depending on the audience. For example, yesterday I preached twice. I used the same text, but the sermons were somewhat different. Why? In the first worship service I preached at, we had the baptism of a young adult. And so I kind of focused on what was happening with him in light of the text for that day. In the second service, we had some visitors who had three children who had not yet been baptized. And so I was talking about how important it is for baptism. Not that you have to be baptized to be saved, but when you are baptized, you now have an assurance from God because he makes promises in baptism. You no longer have to rely on whether or not you have sufficient faith, which when people look at it, they say, "Uh uh-oh, I don't think I have sufficient faith. Every time we sin is a lack of faith. So, Baptism is really important. Two sermons, same day, same text, but they were quite different in a number of areas. So that Jesus only said the Beatitudes once is ridiculous. And that depending on the audience, he would make some changes or make some emphases uh, in light of the questions. So first of all, let's take a look at Luke chapter 6 
And this is the gospel reading for this Sunday in Epiphany. Beginning with verse 20. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, that's a little different than what he says in Matthew 5. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what's the difference? Well, if you read the Luke one, you may come up with the impression that you're better off if you're not rich, if you're not wealthy. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's talking about a poverty in spirit. What does that mean? It means, what have I got to give to God spiritually to offset my sins? Answer, nothing. There is nothing you can do to merit salvation. We're going over the Heidelberg Disputation in churches right now. And what is very interesting is it's clear as glass. The Bible says no good work ever saves you. It also says the opposite. In Christ, no sin ever damns you. Uh, The only sin that keeps you out of heaven is unbelief. So short of unbelief, a person can be saved. Now, you can have false doctrine that can turn into heresy, which would be unbelief. But a lot of times, what people have in their mind may not be what God created in their heart, creating me a clean heart, O God. And that's what's so good about Judgment Day. On Judgment Day, God is going to be checking you out as to what is in your heart, not so much as to what is in your head. Because... Your head is just way too small to be able to have all the wonderful teachings of the Bible in it. And if it did, and you were aware that God was watching you all the time, uh, you would hardly ever sin. But the fact that we sin shows that we're not aware of God. The next verse, 21 in Luke chapter 6. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Well, what does that mean? That if you're starving to death, listen to the Matthew one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, why am I going back and forth between Matthew and Luke? It's because there's a Reformation principle as to how to understand the Scripture. It's Scripture interprets Scripture. So if you're just reading from Luke, blessed are those who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Well, does that mean we should all go on a diet and hardly eat anything, and then God will satisfy us? We'll end up with what the feeding of the 5,000 people thought, that Jesus was a bread king not the Messiah King, as understood by the Old Testament books. So, Scripture interprets Scripture. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in Luke, Matthew helps us understand he's talking about the poor in spirit. When he says, blessed are those who are hungry, he's talking about those who are hungry for righteousness. 
Now, what does that mean? They are hungry and thirst for righteousness because everyone realizes that in order to be saved, one needs to, in the eyes of God, be a very, 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 very good person. The problem is every other religion in the world when it understands that you need to be a good person, they think that is something that you do by your own will, becoming a very good person. I mean, take a look at all the rules in many religions and all the things you're not able to do because it could lead to sin. You can't dance, you can't drink, you can't play cards, all kinds of stuff. Yes, at times, that can lead to sin, like gambling, alcoholism, and so forth. But that isn't necessarily true in all cases. So you need to look at the situation to decide whether or not what you are doing is to such an excess that it does become sin. But if it's not to an excess, such as drinking or dancing or playing cards, that is not a sin. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, if you're aware that you are not righteous enough, the way Christianity solves the problem is not by telling you what to do to become more righteous. Christianity reveals what Jesus has done, who was totally righteous and then his righteousness is delivered over to you through faith in the promises of the gospel. It's an entirely different understanding. Both unbelievers and believers recognize being righteous is important. But unbelievers think that that's a task they have to do. In contrast to believers who recognize they are unable to do it. Just read Romans 1 and 2. All sin, all fall short of the glory of God. There's nobody who does good, no, not one. So our righteousness needs to come from God, not from our own works. The next one. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Well, if you just take that all by itself... You just wonder, what does that mean? Blessed are you who weep now. Well, in, in the context of taking a look at the other Beatitudes, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You see, the understanding of laughing is connected to being comforted. How many times have you been at a funeral, particularly at the wake the night before normally, and people are laughing? Why are they laughing if they're so sad that the person has died? Because they're reminding one another of events that had happened in the person's life that leads them to laughter. Well, look what he did once. Uh, remember what he said, etc. And, and that is a way of comforting particularly for Christians who know that as a person has been a believer in Jesus Christ, we shall see him again. 
when the day of judgment comes. So when I take a look at the Beatitudes in Luke, they seem to need the explanation of the Beatitudes in Matthew. That's how Scripture interprets Scripture. So it's not a promise that you will be laughing at the same time you're weeping, although that does occur occasionally at, at funerals. But it means you're going to be comforted by the reminders of what God has done through this person. Number 22, verse 22, Luke 6. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Well, who's the Son of Man? That's nobody less than Jesus Christ. And that's very close to what Jesus says in Matthew. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Matthew tells the good thing that will come from this, and sometimes we need to wait till heaven. I can only imagine the suffering and persecution that is going on in other countries in the Near East against Christians by radical Muslims and others who just hate Christianity. And therefore, there may not be too much comfort that they're receiving here on earth except the promises of God that he will never leave them nor forsake them. All things will work together for their good and so forth. But their real comfort and their escape from such persecution and reviling will occur when they get to heaven. So this is a great example how Scripture interprets Scripture. Because if you take either set of the Beatitudes without looking at the other set, you can end up with some very strange notions. Like, if you are not wealthy, then yours is the kingdom of God. Or if you are starving, you don't have enough food, then you'll be satisfied. Or if you're weeping over a lot of terrible things happening in your life, then you'll be laughing. And when people hate you, etc., on account of the Son of Man, you're blessed. Well, why are you blessed? You got to go back to Matthew to find out why. Because yours is the kingdom of heaven, and in heaven, None of that will be occurring. Verse 23, Luke 6. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. You see, that's a different set of words than Jesus uses in Matthew. For so they persecuted prophets who were before you. In Luke, he adds, where did the persecution come from? It didn't come just from the devil. It came from the people, the, the fathers of those, the descendants, or I should say, those who came before 
our grandparents, our great-grandparents, etc. They persecuted the prophets. Just read uh, Jeremiah, what he had to go through as he spoke the word of God. Now, verse 24. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Now, uh, see, that sounds like he's talking about money again. You're, if you're poor, you're blessed. But if you're rich, woe to you. Now, what, what's he talking about here? Well, Scripture interprets Scripture. If being poor is the opposite of rich, we need to understand what that poverty is talking about. It's a poverty of spirit. So who are the rich? Not necessarily those who are wealthy, but those who have a lot of pride in themselves. Remember, that's one of the reasons that John the Baptizer was sent as a forerunner of Jesus. Remember, it said he fills the valleys. Those are people who are really depressed over their sins. And he lowers the mountains, the hills. Those are people who are so prideful. The Pharisees were rich in their thinking about themselves. Thanking God they're not like sinners because they do so many things for God. They have their own consolation. People may look up to them here on earth, but as Jesus says in the parable, the tax collector goes down to his house justified and the Pharisee, thinking how rich he is with the works of God he is doing, ends up not going to heaven. This is similar to verse 25. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. What is that referring to? Well, we got to go back to Matthew. And that means those who feel they have fed enough on the wonders of this world. So that, guess what? They don't need anything from God. Well, they're going to be hungry on the day of judgment because at the moment that you die, you don't take anything with you to heaven. You are empty. And this is what this beatitude is talking about. But if you just take it in its statement without looking at the Matthew context, as well as many other passages in the Bible, you will get the impression that the rich are better, are, are worse off, and those who are filled with food, boy, they're going to be in trouble. That's not what it's saying at all. It's talking about those who think they are rich in their own merits, those who think they are not hungry because they've done sufficient for God to be saved. And the following follows from before. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Probably we're talking about those who were at the cross, who put Jesus on the cross. It says they derided him. They mocked him. And I'm sure they laughed at him. Oh, you who say you're the son of God, why don't you come down from the cross? That was mocking 
and laughing at your Savior. You need to remember that because it gives you another inkling of how much God truly loves you. I tell you, if somebody is laughing at me over something and I'm able to reverse what is happening so they can't laugh anymore, I tend to do that. And then who has the last laugh? Jesus refused to do that. He stayed on the cross for you. And then the opposite also of the one about being persecuted. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Now, is that just talking about that people compliment you because of the kind of person you are? No, they're speaking well of you because they think, well, there's a person who's going to be saved. When Jesus gave that parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, people were shocked that he was saying that the Pharisee wasn't going to be saved. Because in their view, if anybody was going to be saved, the Pharisees were. It it reminds us of the encounter Jesus had with that rich man who asked, what must I do in order to be saved? Jesus says, oh, you want to do something? Just obey the commandments. And he says, well, I've done all these from my youth. Well, when you hear such nonsense, all you do is point out one area of life where a person is not following the commandments. And Jesus points out his temptation to love his money. He says, well, if you really want to follow me, give away your wealth to the poor and come follow me. And the rich man goes away sorrowful. Now, the disciples, their response is really important to remember. Because they considered Pharisees and religious leaders to be something to emulate. They wanted at least to be looking as good as they were. So when Jesus says that to this rich man who can hire people to work his farm so he can go to the Sabbath, who gives big tithes and is generous to the widows, etc. Remember the question they asked Jesus? Who then can be saved? If these people using their wealth to help out others from the viewpoint of the disciples, if they cannot be saved, who then can be saved? And remember Jesus' answer? With men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. That's a very, very important area to show that just because people think that they have done sufficient works to offset their hymns, uh, their sins, God does not consider that to be true. So the Beatitudes in Luke are somewhat interesting. The, the first part of the verses, they talk about when you are blessed. And then Jesus reverses it and shows those who are under woe. It's, it's quite different than Isaiah 6, where Isaiah was seeing a vision of God. And remember what he says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Well, Jesus explains the woe for those who have unclean lips. It's not somebody like Isaiah who is recognizing his sin 
and repenting of it, it's those who don't recognize their sin, who think they are rich enough in the merits of their works, who think that they're fully satisfied with what they're eating spiritually, who are laughing now at the expense of those who are believers in Jesus Christ and who love to hear people speaking well of them. This is just really an interesting set of Beatitudes, but it's a different sermon. I'm confident that Jesus preached in Matthew, and that's why there's some differences. These are not contradictions. These are ways of God amplifying what he is meaning. So Scripture truly interprets Scripture. On the next Law and Gospel, there are a number of lay people who ask me, how can I witness to someone? I haven't been at the seminary. Well, guess what? You know hymns. And that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow with Mark Smith, taking a hymn and showing how it can be used to speak of our faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, it's a good idea to choose a hymn and have you and your children memorize it. It's tomorrow's long gospel. God bless. Each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to law and gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.